Hey guys, it's Jason Webb. This is the show that highlights local business leaders and the movers and shakers of Minnesota. Welcome to Minnesota Made. What's up, Minnesota? It's Jason Webb with Minnesota Made. And I am doing a virtual podcast today with George F. Cook III. How are you doing, George? Great. How are you, Jason? I'm good, thank you. Now, George, you are the current owner of George F. Cook Construction Company, and you're located in Golden Valley. Is that correct? That's right. And the services you guys currently offer are carpentry, interior demolition, general contracting. And I'm checking out your website right now, and uh, it sounds like you've done some pretty, I don't know, memorable projects in the past around the Loring Park area. Is that right? Yeah, that was my great-grandfather's company. It was uh, called Pike and Cook. It started oh. in 1885. 1885? Yeah, he came here from Nova Scotia. He was pretty young in his... Uh, early 20s, he started uh, that construction company. And then my uh, grandfather went to work for him. And my dad went to work for my grandpa. And I went to work for my dad. So fourth generation. Wow, that's pretty cool. And the projects that are mentioned on the website are St. Mark's Church, Hennepin Avenue Church, and the Dunwoody Institute. And it sounds like you guys at one point in time, we're doing projects all over the country. Is that right? Yeah. Um, my grandfather did that. So the second generation, he went to work for his dad at Pike and Cook. And uh, he took the company national. They started doing some bigger projects in Baltimore, Maryland, Louisville, Kentucky, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Sioux City, Iowa. Okay. Are both residential and commercial or is your focus just on commercial? Well, right now we're focused just on commercial. Okay. You know, back in the uh, late 1800s, they were doing uh, high-end homes for prominent business people in town. Oh, interesting. So you guys uh, have seen the gamut of different projects, whether it's commercial, residential, big projects, small projects, local projects, Nash projects. You guys kind of done it all. Yeah. Each generation uh, was, was quite different than the previous one, so... It's, uh, it's changed quite a bit. And let's, let's uh, I guess, talk a little bit about your uh, involvement in the company. Uh, are you one of those that as soon as you could pick up a hammer, you're on the job site trying to help dad? Or did you get started after college? And can you tell me a little bit how you got your start? Sure. Um, I was, uh, during college, I would work uh, as a laborer in the summers. We were uh, one of the divisions they had at the time was underground utility work. And so I would uh, work in the streets of Minneapolis uh, laying uh, underground telephone cable. Hmm. Um, I uh, got a degree uh, in architecture and uh, went to work for an architect for a while. And uh, that didn't pan out. So I came back to the company as an estimator in uh, 1979. Okay. And you've been, you worked as an estimator for a period of time and uh, sooner or later, it sounds like, it appears like you ended up in the owner's seat. Would you call yourself the president or what, what, what title do you hold today? Yeah, that's my title, president. Uh, I, since I have been since uh, the early 90s. 
I think 93. Okay. And uh, since 93, uh, can you tell me a, a little bit about what the company, the changes of the company, are you looking at different projects or did you just kind of, you know, continue to do the same type of work and the same type of thing that to what your father was doing before you took it over? Yeah. And in, in the early nineties, yes. Um, but then, uh, you know, things changed. Uh, construction got very specialized. We were doing concrete work at the time. Um, uh, we found it tough to compete with uh, companies that did nothing but concrete work. So we uh, got out of that line of it. Um, we also had a, a railroad business doing spur, private spur lines and uh, that underground utility business that I mentioned. The customers in those two uh, areas uh, decided to do the work with their own crews. So we were out. Mm. So then we're back to general building construction. Uh, there was a different form of project delivery called project managers. And uh, that they would split the contract up into many different areas. And so uh, we, we went to uh, work under uh, uh, these construction managers. And uh, in other words, we were specializing. And that's where the carpentry and the selective demolition comes into play. And uh, so in the past 20 years, we've uh, focused on that. And that's it, really worked out for us. Okay, good. So this whole specialization in the contractor world, I guess I haven't had this conversation before. So what point in time do you think it uh, became the trend of rather than being a general contractor able to do anything, which, you know, in high school, I worked for a small general contractor and it didn't matter if we were, if he got a job of uh, roofing a house or building a house or putting a, you know, doing some foundation repair or stalling a sidewalk, man, we, we did everything. All right. But it was just a small shop. There was just, I don't know, a handful of guys that worked for him, but it sounds like uh, what you're just saying there at, at some point in time, and maybe it only pertains more so to commercial than residential, but contractors, rather than being the jack of all trades, they chose to master one and run with it. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that and uh, when you noticed that occurring? Yeah, I think uh, when I was giving you in the late 90s, you know, I was telling you about the concrete. We used to do that ourselves when we decided to get out of it. But that's when uh, these general contractors decided to either play a construction management role and focus there and get rid of their self-perform crews. And the smaller generals like ourselves, um, we chose the other route. So we decided to specialize. We had great carpenters, great craftsmen. Um, and we would uh, bid on these packages that were focused primarily on carpentry. Um, and, uh, you know, it worked out great. So we wound up, you know, playing a smaller management role and a much bigger role in supplying uh, craftsmen and labor to the job site. Mm, okay. Now, using your knowledge, if there's, if there's somebody listening, looking to get into the contractor type trade, and they don't really have a particular niche or favorite type of contracting, whether it's electrician or plumbing or general contractor or concrete or roofing, residential versus commercial. Um, is there, I guess, 
if you could do it all over again, knowing what you know, is there a particular niche or a niche that you'd recommend somebody to kind of focus more on, or maybe opening up a straight plumbing commercial shop? What would you recommend somebody who's looking to get into the contracting business? Well, there's uh, construction management programs at the universities, you know, two and four year courses. I would recommend that get an overall view of uh, running a business, some project management training, and then, uh, you know, decide what you want to do. Go, you know, I mean, go work for a general contractor if you uh, prefer the management side of things or if you're uh, um, one of the particular trades um, um, that you're interested in, you know, go work for a plumbing contractor or go work for a concrete contractor. Is there any particular trade that you feel is more lucrative than another or more in high demand that the supply is low? <laughs> um, well, uh, I guess electricians come to mind right away. That's one. You know, carpenters are tough to find also. Okay. Um, mechanical pipe fitters. Oh, sure. You know, if, if you want to be in the trades themselves, you know, either one of those is going to mean full employment for you. Yeah. What's, what's the hardest part? Uh, you know, you've been in it for a long time. What do you feel is the hardest part about doing what you do? Well, construction projects are very complex. They're interwoven activities that all depend upon each other. And there's opportunity for uh, many things to go wrong, and they do. Mm-hmm. So uh, the hardest part is to, uh, you know, plan out and try to foresee those to prevent the problems or um, when they do arise, getting them solved quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sounds like you need to be a, a very good at organization. You know, one, one pain that I've experienced working with contractors in general, being the general on my own jobs once in a while is that if one guy gets set behind, if I don't know, the plumber is a week behind schedule. And now I got to reschedule, you know, the drywall guy and everything else and try to get them on track. And I was trying to plan ahead, two steps ahead. And, and you know, in their defense, like you said, the plumber is, is behind probably due to something that he couldn't predict. Something came up and, and uh, now it's just kind of screwing up the whole project and the other trades are having to reschedule uh, their jobs. And it can be a mess, can it? Yeah, I think that's pretty much the norm. You just hope you have uh, co- cooperative people yeah. on your project. Yeah. What are some of the projects you guys are working on now? Uh, we're working on uh, uh, some schools, uh, elementary school in St. Paul, which is a, a big addition and remodel. Smaller school near Stillwater. Um, we're working in a semiconductor uh, manufacturing plant. Um, we're uh, building clean rooms. Okay. Um, also doing some demolition for a uh, fire station. Okay. Now the schools that you're working on, are you the GC on those? Are you providing the car? No. No, there is a um, construction manager on those projects, and they break the project down into various uh, bid packages. And, mm-hmm. and ours is kind of like a GC bid package. In the fact that we do have subcontractors, but not very many. Okay. Um, there are the major 
contractors like the electrician, the plumber, and the earthwork, and concrete, masonry, steel erection, all that is our separate bid packages that uh, the construction manager oversees. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in ours, we have uh, carpentry and uh, selective demolition. We're self-performing those, but we're also subcontracting something. Okay. Gotcha. What's the future for contracting look like? Do you, do you see any trends coming down the line? I mean, we talked about the whole specialization. Do you think the big guys are going to just keep getting bigger and it's getting harder for the smaller contractors? You know, I talked to this one uh, sheet metal contractor who's working on creating like, uh, I guess, modular type systems where everything is kind of assembled more on site rather than at the job itself. And uh, which working in a controlled work environment indoors and and made it makes it a lot more predictable for him so that's his focus right now is uh doing more of the assembly work uh in-house and uh more so make it it's more plug and play more of a modular type system do you see any trends coming down the pipeline for construction oh i think that's that's one of them prefabricated components are have been a thing for a while and people are always trying to perfect them and improve them. I think robotics will play a big role in the future. We actually hire some subcontractors that have uh, robotic jackhammers. Oh. We'll take out existing concrete slabs. And kind of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to create an image in my mind of what something might look like. So it's a jackhammer of some sort attached to a, a robot. Does the robot move on its own or you just kind of say you got to be moving that jackhammer around for the robot no the robot moves on its own wow yeah there's a guy with a joystick and huh. he's <laughs> he's playing with his uh robotic jackhammer yeah interesting i suppose that type of work is pretty uh jarring and prone to injury no working a jackhammer is that was that the motivation behind it is to re- reduce workplace injuries or does it? Well, that's gotta be, yeah, I would think so. That's gotta be one of them. Yeah, it is. It's a uh, horrible work to sit yeah. on one all day. Yeah. So yeah, we can, uh, you know, we can find labor saving devices like that. That's, I think that'll be uh, a big hit. Yeah. All right. Good. So uh, the the future of the company, you know, before we I hit the record button, we were talking about. Sounds like there's going to be a name change coming up to George F. Cook Construction Company. Is that true? Yes, that is. The uh, current employees will go work for the new company. Okay. That's the plan. So basically, uh, from uh, the customer's point of view, they they shouldn't see much difference. It should be the same people. The uh, Current employees uh, were not interested in uh, taking over the company, and uh, my two sons are doing other things. So the company is going to come to an end if things go as planned. The name of the company is going to go away. Uh, it's going to be a new name. Uh, what's the name of that? What's the new name? Going to J L Cook. J L Cook Construction. And what was the motivation behind this? You got uh, new endeavors you want to work on, or are you just going to move to Florida and sip Mai Tais from the beach? <laughs> What's going on here, Joe? Well, not exactly. I wanted to work less. I'm 68, and so I am working a little less, quite a bit less, actually. Yeah. 
So once the name change occurs, are you uh, still going to be around working, or is that uh, that's is that going to be it for you? Oh, I think I'll be around for quite a while. Okay. Um, so it, you know whether I'm uh, working for them or just you know wrapping things up with this current company. What was that process like? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's listeners out there that think about maybe it's an age thing and they're wanting to work less like you or they're just a little burnt out and they want to change and they're, you know, they want to sell their company. Did you, what, what was your process like? And how, how did it come to, how did it come to fruition? You're doing what you're doing. You know, you like you're, you're changing the name. Somebody else has taken it over. And did you hire a business broker? Was it just word on the street? You call around and speak to your colleagues about what it is you want to do? Can you kind of walk me through that process a little bit? Yeah, we did hire a business broker. And uh, that was in um, oh, late uh, 2019. Okay. And so we actually uh, even had a buyer. But as 2020 went along, our... Uh, that's when the work started to dry up and our backlog went way down, uh-huh. even though we had a very successful year. With the backlog dwindling like it was, and then there were other things that came into play during the lockdowns. There really wasn't much to sell. Oh, sure. So anyway, there's a lot of other things to that story, but the transition seemed to be a good idea. We could do something like that. Instead of me just closing the doors, transition it to uh, somebody else. So yeah. That way, I you know I get to work less and uh, hopefully uh, full retirement someday. Yeah. So when's the transition take place? Well, it's, it takes place over time. Okay. What we're doing is uh, our business development uh, efforts are going to get work for the new company, and as as they get more and more work, they'll start hiring our people directly and start buying some of the tools and equipment. Okay. Is the focus going to remain the same? Uh, the carpentry, interior demolition, and general contracting, or are you going to explore other avenues or undecided? Well, we think the focus is going to stay the same. I guess the market will tell us if that's still viable or not, but we think so. Okay. What's a good client look like? Uh, I'm assuming it, it, is it any commercial project general contractor in need of those three types of services? Well, I guess we consider our customers uh, to be architects, uh, construction managers, general contractors, and owners, which can be a local government. So um, there, you know, we, uh, even though not all those kinds of customers are actually uh, writing the checks to pay for our services, you know, we, we treat them like a customer and they're, um, they're all good. They all pay. Yeah. So, yeah. Looking at your testimonial sheet on, uh, on your website, uh, some of the people that have written positively about you have been. RJM, you know, some I, I recommend here that I recognize, Kraus Anderson, Adolf Peterson. So those are some big names. They do some big projects. And yeah, they do. Those are, yeah, those are good customers of ours. Good, good. So if, uh, if somebody has a question, 
about the company or considering using your company uh, or the new company for upcoming project, what's the best way for them to reach out? Well, they can uh, email me personally or give me a call. Either one of those uh, is going to work. You want to throw that out there, George, so they can hear it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, email is uh, G-C-O-O-K at georgefcook.com. Okay. Yeah. Phone number is 763-452-2700. Okay. Before I wrap things up here, is there anything you wanted to mention that I didn't get a chance to talk about? I, you know, I, I guess I can't think of anything. Oh. I, uh, I, <laughs> I didn't prepare anything or I was just going uh, to answer questions. All right. All right. That sounds good. Well, there you have it, guys. The, the website that I'm looking at right now is georgefcook.com. Again, that's georgefcook, that's cook.com. George, I appreciate your time, and I'm, I'm excited for your new work schedule right around the corner and uh, being able to enjoy some of those things uh, in your free time. What, what do you like to do when you're not working, George? Well, there's a cabin north of Brainerd. Okay. And that there's always uh, projects up there, a lot of tinkering going on. Okay. So All right. I enjoy that. All right. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate your time, George, and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you, Jason. That's it, guys. If you know of a Minnesota business leader or a mover and shaker that you feel would be a great guest, please have them go to minnesotamadepodcast.com and have them apply for the show. Thanks for listening, Minnesota.